This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Utmost respect. The nothing personal word of the day for Thursday, March 10th, 2022 is utmost respect. When you say that you've got the utmost respect for someone, it doesn't mean that you've got the normal level or that you look at them and say, oh, you've accomplished something. Oh, I love your athletic ability or I love what you look like or what you sound like or how smart you are, how tall you are, how short you are what you have to teach me, what you have to say to me, what you could learn from me, that's respect. The utmost respect puts you at another level. What level is that, do we think? It's the level of sarcasm. It's a level of disparagement. It's a level of disenchantment, disenfranchisement disassociation, dystopia, distaste, disgust. We have the utmost respect for our players and hope they will ultimately choose to accept the fair agreement they have been offered. That was part of Commissioner Rob Manford's statement. Canceling another week of games after no agreement was had yesterday in Major League Baseball. Yesterday was Wednesday. The deadline for that statement was Tuesday. The deadline was expanded to Wednesday, delayed to Wednesday, because they were right there. A deal was ready to be made. The owners had caved in a way that would make sure my vote was a no by increasing the minimums even more toward where the players were, by increasing the pre-arbitration pool of money, if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to previous shows, to even closer to where the players were by raising the CBT thresholds to a place that made me crazy. But they added the Steve Steve Cohn tax. We were so close that when you see the offers side by side, they're apart by a couple million. Now, of course, the pre-arbitration pool was apart by over 100 million over the course of the five years, but let's not quibble and bits. So close. We're ready. Writers are getting ready to write columns saying, the deal's done. Baseball insiders are getting ready to start reporting where free agents are going to go, what the first trade's going to be, when the first day of spring training is going to be. Doctors were getting ready with their prods and probes 
getting ready for some physicals. Hotel clerks and bell people were getting ready to have check-ins. Players were arriving. Baseball season was starting. You could hear the grass grow. It was 70 degrees in New York two days ago. I knew we were going to have a small problem yesterday when it was snowing in New York. Not exactly the weather for spring to start, but yet everybody was ready. Then during the course of the day, we're waiting. I remember looking at my favorite, I have two favorite times of the day, 9.53. I'm sorry to two of my three kids, although I really do know the answer to this, but 9.53 is the time that my oldest and first daughter was born. And I remember looking at the clock when they call it, and it was like a movie when you call death, but you also call birth. Birth, 9.53, and I looked at the clock, I said, wow, I'm gonna remember this time forever. So I do. I sort of mark it, I'll text her from time to time. Hey, it's 9.53. I'm sure she loves getting that from her parents. Hey, it's the time you were born. Do you wanna hear the story of the time you were born? Yes, I do. The second time I like is one, two, three, four. It's just cool. 12.34 means sort of lunch is happening. If you had an early lunch, it's afternoon. You can start to day drink if you want. You can't day drink if you don't start in the morning sort of afternoon drinking, afternoon partying, but it means that the day is not early. So I look at my watch yesterday and I, it hits 12.34. Not my watch, my phone, of course, sorry. And there's no agreement. So I get on Twitter, which I've been refreshing so much that I've got some sort of tendonitis in my thumbs that I have to deal with from flicking up if you're watching this on YouTube. You know, you have the phone. It's the motion when you're scrolling that your thumb does that, right? My thumb doesn't normally do that because that's not a pleasure-seeking motion by the thumb. It doesn't help you hitchhike. It doesn't help you check for ticks. It's just for scrolling. So my thumb has been hurting. I'm scrolling, refreshing. Sometimes to refresh, you go down with the pointer. Do you ever do that on your phone? Refresh, refresh. Nothing but nothing from the league either. They're not delaying games. There's no agreement. Something must be happening. Then word comes out that the new problem between the players and the owners has to do with the international draft. The international draft is something that we have wanted in baseball since I first got there. It was talked about first in 2002. I started in 1999. The draft was introduced as a way to make players more accessible to all levels of teams because the large revenue teams were running around the Dominican and throwing money around like they were Santa frickin' Claus, lying, cheating, and stealing, hiding players. I've told you the way the Expos hid Vladimir Guerrero. Literally, before I got there, I would have had them do the same thing. But hey, we got this kid. He's 12 years old. He's amazing. All right, put him in a house, in a closet, under the stairs. Don't let him out until he can sign, but then make sure that you got to deal with him. And by the way, give his brother Wilton a few shekels. Oh, he's got a Busconi, pay him too. Such fraud. There is such fraud internationally. There is such illegal activity going on, not just against the rules of baseball, against the rules of law. The international draft can fix it. The international draft is something, the reason I want it is because there'd be no difference between the Dodgers and the Marlins the Yankees and the Marlins, or the Expos at that time. But the players seem to not want an international draft. And David Ortiz, who has nothing to do with this labor agreement, he's not in the union, 
He doesn't work in the commissioner's office, but he feels a responsibility to all Latin players who are coming after him because he's the most famous player from the Dominican Republic ever. Apologies to Albert Pujols. So David Ortiz says, you know, there could be a draft, but we have to study it. And the reason we have to study it is that you can't just institute something that changes the way business has been done for so many years because in the Dominican Republic, there is no way out except through baseball. You don't have other choices. I guess he's referring to education, football, basketball, any sort of other job. The only way is through baseball. Now, you think owners don't take advantage of that very fact because I agree with that. Of course they do. As a team president, I would look at our Dominican budget that I would get every single August. I'd go to the Dominican, if I could once a year, awestruck by the poverty, awestruck by the lack of security, the danger of the roads, the fear that I had. Amazing beauty. Go to fields where kids are playing everywhere. It's like walking around Europe and looking at football. Everybody's playing baseball in the DR. They're playing without shoes. They're playing without gloves. You want to know why Luis Castillo always had good hands at second base? Throwback to a World Series winning second baseman. He would talk to me about how he he didn't need a glove to field, which is amazing to think about. Go try to get a ground ball hit by a major leaguer and field it without a glove. Half the people are scared of the ball, right? That's what you teach little leaguers. Don't be scared of the ball. It's not going to hurt. Here's one way to not be scared of the ball. Don't have a glove or a mouth guard or a cup, or shoes for that matter. So anyway, David Ortiz says, you know, we, we gotta be careful here because if we do an international draft, that'll change the way business is done. Uh-oh, did he just talk about the ugly underbelly that goes on in the Dominican Republic and acknowledge the fact that they're under the table payments and acknowledge the fact that there is not an equal playing field, which is the exact reason why the owners want the international draft? Yes, fine, we all know it. All of a sudden, players in the union hear from David Ortiz, and then they say, we don't want an international draft. Then they put the white player out, Max Scherzer, to say, I don't know what anybody's talking about. I've been at the negotiating table. I'm a pitcher. I don't know how to negotiate a labor deal. I've got an earpiece in like Samson uses it, nothing personal, with Boris in my ear. I've got his hand up my tuchus. And I say, we never offered the international draft. We discussed it but MLB told us they were not going to offer anything for it. At that point, we informed all players and agreed to no draft. MLB is muddying the waters and deflecting blame. Fans, please hang in there with us. Just curious for, uh, for all you fans out there, are you hanging in there for the players? Are you hanging in there for the owners? Is that your plan? Do you think that in a collective bargaining negotiating setting, that they are focused on making sure that you hang in there with them? It's very easy to say it in a statement. We have the utmost respect for our players. We have the utmost respect for our fans. I'm saddened by this situation's continued impact on our game and all those who are a part of it, especially our loyal fans. So sad, Rob said. Hang in there, Max said. Except when they're in the negotiating room, when they're going back and forth with proposals, when they're agreeing not to agree, when they're canceling games, here's one thing that doesn't come up. Fans, do you know how you do come up? Do we have to refund their tickets? And if so, when? 
Are we going to lose some trading card licensing money? Any endorsements going down the tubes? You think owners are sitting around? They're about as worried about fans as they are about Senator Durbin. Oh, now it's serious. Senator Dick Durbin wants to take away their antitrust exemption. If I had a dollar for every time someone on the political left wants to reconsider MLB's antitrust exemption, you have no idea how much money Matt Coca would make. The owners don't sit around thinking about that. All of the political pressure that's coming, that is here. They don't sit around fretting over the refunds that fans are getting, worrying about whether you'll ever come back. The players don't sit around thinking how many fans will be in attendance. They're far more focused and in touch with the national broadcast deal. <laughs> Four, six, nine. The players are far more concerned about national streams of revenue and the larger local streams of revenue. They get their guaranteed contracts. If they were year-to-year -year free agents every year, they'd be far more worried about any sort of revenue on an annual basis. That's one of the great disconnects in this negotiation is that the players, for whatever reason, have never gotten explained to them that all of the gains they're making are going to be lost through decreased salaries as the owners recoup any dollar they think they lost in missed revenue due to this lockout or due to the fact that they had a given in places they didn't want to give. The owners and management in general, this is part of life, folks. If you don't like it, I, I have no solution for you. Employers and companies win every time. I've had to explain on Twitter. I've had to explain to friends, family, Romans, countrymen. I try to use the gas as an example. When gas prices go up, guess what airlines do? Yeah, they increase their ticket price. When the price of paper goes up, guess what restaurants do? They give you fewer napkins. Wait a minute. There's a cheese shortage? Your slice of pizza just went up. Hey, the rent just went up? In your great store that you go shopping, so did the price of everything inside that store. Everything flows down to the consumer, always. Then consumers make choices about where they're going to allocate their income. Their disposable income goes to things that are not necessary to live. Disposable income goes down. Entertainment choices get made. Is that putting fear into the players or the owners? No. Everybody's talking about how long will it take to recover from this abyss? Not a consideration. I'm sorry. I'm just giving it to you straight. Those things are not a consideration. So now, I go through the course of the day. I'm waiting. I've got the jacket on. I'm ready to get on CBS, do a special emergency pod with Coca. Coca's at the ready. We're both at the control room. Engine's on. And then I get the word from Major Tom that there will be no agreement. That the league has postponed games because they could not come to an agreement after the owners had given the players three options. Here's a little hint to the owner negotiators. There is nothing more disrespectful and more demeaning than when you go to someone and say, all right, here's your choices. Chachi, A, B, or C, T-I-O-L-I. When you go an ABC menu shopping and say, take it or leave it, 
What you're really saying is, no mas. I've had, I, there's no more negotiating. We're giving you three options you choose. I used to do that with players when we were negotiating contracts. We would do it with corporate sponsors. Here's what we'll do. We'll do two years at five million each, or we can do one year at eight million. You let me know, we're good either way. Or we can do two years at 10 million a year, and we're gonna pay you in the following ways. 50% now, 50% deferred, or 80% now, 20% deferred, except the salary is gonna go to 9 million a year. We would calculate discount rates and we do all sorts of things. And in our view, when we did menu shopping, we would be pretty neutral with whatever you would choose, except all choices would be to our benefit with what we were willing to give in that negotiation. The league's three options, in my mind, were also extremely neutral, extremely reasonable, right? One, let's do the international draft. Just say yes. And if we do do the international draft, I'm good with that. We can get rid of direct draft pick compensation. Do you remember what that is? Please tell me you do. Direct draft pick compensation is for the few top free agents who are given qualifying offers and if they do not accept those qualifying offers, then when they sign with another team, that team gives up a draft pick. So that the union believes that there are players who are not being signed to the maximum amount because the teams who sign them say, well, we're gonna lose a draft pick and draft picks we value at about $7 million. So we're gonna give you $7 million fewer to this free agent. Horse hockey. When you are at the top of the market, which is where the qualifying offer players are, the consideration by teams is Donata about losing a draft pick. You think someone's not gonna sign Carlos Correa because of a draft pick? Now, what about the players who take the qualifying offers? Well, there's no draft pick compensation. They're back with their original team, which is one of the objects of both players and teams and owners is to keep superstars where they are. Option one. Eh, I don't know if I like it, the players said. Two, let's just go status quo, which means no international draft, but keep the qualifying offer system. Now, keep in mind, the qualifying offer system was already given away during this negotiation by the owners saying, no, no, we're gonna take that away. But also keep in mind, everything is related. I am so incredibly tired of people not understanding the way negotiation goes. Because you've said something 10 days ago, does that mean you have no right to change what you've said when the other parameters of a deal have changed? Has anyone ever bought anything before? Have you ever bought a house and said, hey, is the furniture included? Well, yeah, but then the price goes up. All right, well, what about if we just do the couch and the TV? All right, then it goes up by less because we're gonna take the paintings off the wall, the rugs on the floor, and various other things. All right, well, what if I want just that one rug there that looks to have passed the blue light special test? All right, that'll be a couple hundred doll hairs. Speaking of doll hairs, can I have that vacuum? Things change during a negotiation. I just saw a termite, not, we passed inspection. I'm telling you, look at that bug over there. We're gonna need an exterminator. That's gonna be $750. Will you take that off the purchase price? No, I won't, but I'll split it with you. All right, 375 each, done, done, done. Agreement, great, done, sign, sign, let's move.
things change in a negotiation. What your position was today may be different than what your position was 10 days ago and different than what your position will be tomorrow. Choice number two, status quo on both. No draft, QO system stays. We are close on the other economic issues. We've got ourselves a DEAL. Option three, no direct draft pick compensation, which means get rid of the whole qualifying offer system. And you've got players until November 15th to agree to an international draft. Uh-oh. Players say, wait a minute. We only have till November 15th to agree to a draft. And then if we don't, then we have to give back the qualifying offer, which we valued at $100 million, which is a bunch of crap because I can get an economist and I can get a study to tell you the qualifying offer is not worth $10 million in total value to the union. But either way, whatever they think the value is, don't give people in a menu shopping situation that sort of help me Rhonda help me Coco what is the word uh an I, not an idle threat that's what the deadlines have been the word is when uh, ultimatum thank you so much Coca. you are on the program welcome to it players don't like people don't like generally ultimatums if you don't do this by this day then you lose something that was my alarm to remember what ultimatum was excuse me I don't know if you heard that Coca. So the players get these three offers, and they say, we don't like when we're told this. We really don't. And by the way, what you're saying and what you're asking is that in one of these offers, there could be an opener in the collective bargaining agreement. Wait a minute. Get your thumb going. Get your thumb scrolling. What's this again? We may have to go through this again in three years. One of the things that the owner said to the players is that if you don't agree to an international draft, we get the right to reopen this collective bargaining agreement in three years. And the players said, wait a minute. We're the ones who get the opt-outs, not you. We're the ones who negotiate that in our contracts. We're not giving you an opt-out because if this CBA isn't good for you, Mr. Owner, you are going to say no more CBA and we then have to negotiate all this all over again. No chance, toilet pants, the players said. The owner said, you guys ask for opt-outs every thick. You always want them in your contracts now, and we always have to give them because once one team started giving them, everybody started giving them. And meanwhile, the guy in your ear, Boris, he requires it. How do opt-outs work in contracts? Max, just a quick question. How do the opt-outs work? Hold on one second. Scott, how do the opt-outs work? Oh, yeah. Right. When my opt-out comes, if I can negotiate, meaning you, Scott, a new deal with a new team for more money than I was going to make in the next year after I opt in of my opt-out, then I'm going to opt out and sign a new deal and a bigger deal. Or I'm going to opt out and then re-sign with you. Hi, I'm A-Rod. Same team with even more money. But if I'm injured or I stink or I'm overpaid then I'm not gonna opt out because I'm gonna say I'm so happy where I am. I love you guys. I love this city. I love these fans. It's the greatest fans in the world. GMAB. So the players aren't stupid and the owners aren't stupid either. They were very well aware that offering some sort of opt out was not gonna happen. If the players were smart, they would have said no problem. However, if you get an opt out, we get an opt out too. And the owners would have said no way because they wouldn't have 23 votes. Owners do not wanna go through this again. Now, little nugget to the players, that opt-out after three years is not as big a deal as you think. 
You have to take a look at where the contract is with the commissioner. You have to take a look at where sort of owners are in the life of their ownership. And then you have to realize that there is zero appetite for another collective bargaining agreement, lockout, strike, work stoppage in three years. Zero. So that opt-out really doesn't have the amount of teeth, but it does put fear into the eyes of these players. So the players take the three options and they say, no, we don't like that. We're going to give you an option. The owner said, we don't like that option. And by the way, let me check my clock. Damn it. It's after 6 p.m. That was the deadline. Well, you haven't had real deadlines before. No, but this time we meant it. We told you if we don't have a deal by 6 p.m. on Wednesday, we are canceling games. It's 6.03. You couldn't go three more minutes after moving every deadline you've ever had? Well, this time we're trying to help you because we're reading our own PR and realizing that the players now think that there's no actual deadlines. Because on Twitter, all the players say, oh, it's a deadline, blah, blah. <gasps> oh, they're yawning over the fake deadlines. So MLB says, ooh, that came in at 6.03. We're like a train schedule, man. We departed at 6. We're canceling games. But don't fret. We're happy to keep talking. But we're not going to try to even talk about any core economic issues until we have an agreement on the international draft. We are dying on the hill of the international draft, and the players are too. What? Owners around the league and presidents and players are all saying the same thing. After all this time and all the rancor and all the issues going on, they're going to choose the international draft and the qualifying offer, direct draft pick compensation issues as ones to die on, as ones to cause a shortened season, which is going to cause an even worse now, people are using nuclear winter. Do not use that expression. There are people right now who are in danger of a nuclear winter across the globe. Let's not use that expression. It's unfortunate. Let's not say we're going to war. We're in battle with the players or the owners. No, they're in a collective bargaining negotiation. You're going to risk further dilapidation of asset, of season, of money. Players lose $20.5 million a day starting March 31st. Not today, they're not. But I'll tell you right now, in three weeks, $20.5 million a day for every day they don't play. For all the gains the players are trying to make, there's a $100 million difference in the pre-arbitration pool. That's four days of games, folks. Five. Five days of games, folks. Once five days are missed, that's it. Any gain you're getting in the pre-arb pool, poof, it magically and deliciously disappears. You think owners don't know that? So what do we do? And how do we do it? April 15th is Jackie Robinson Day, the 75th anniversary of him breaking the color barrier. I've told you that needs to be opening day. Players need to drop their complete rejection of the international draft one minute after the owners drop the requirement of the international draft. We've lasted since 2000 without the international draft. The owners can last another five years. Part of the agreement needs to say that there will be the exact runway that David Ortiz wants. There will be what baseball loves and what everybody loves when you're in politics. There will be a joint committee formed. They will have players on it from the Dominican, retired, current. They will have play people from operations, baseball operations departments, the commissioner's office, and they will jointly devise and come up with an international draft that will be agreed upon by the next collective bargaining agreement. They've got five years to figure it out, and you start a draft. MLB wasn't going to start the draft until 24 anyway. The new agreement will be done in 27, so we start the draft in 28. Done. You got to drop it, owners. 
players, once they drop it, stop being chazers. You have gotten owners to move to a place that you can stand on the podium and declare victory. You have gotten more money to younger players faster. You have gotten ways to avoid tanking potentially. You stand up and say, we are ready to play ball. Am I dreaming? Am I dreaming that the season could start on April 14th, April 15th? Well, I'm going to give you a quick wait to see. I've got a double wait to see. Ready, Coca? Number one. There will be no international draft contained in this collective bargaining agreement. Sorry, owners, you're not getting it. Two, the regular season will begin either. Here comes the menu shopping. Tell me how you like this as those who follow Wait to Seize, which is when we get it right, we revisit it. When we get it wrong, we revisit it. Either April 15th or after June 1st. There will not be a start to a regular season between April 16th and May 31st. Wait to see. In conclusion, dear Evan Hansen, sorry, dear owners, 23 of you at least, dear players, not in the executive council, who are not being properly informed, who don't realize what gains you have gotten, I want you to sit at the table today, and I say that metaphorically, because Zoom is fine, phone is fine, and I want you for one minute to make a chart. I want on the chart to be what your goals were for this agreement, and what is reflected in the current agreement. And then I want you not to lie to yourself about the goal column. Because if you set your goals as unrealistic, it doesn't count. If your goals were realistic, and then you go to the second column of what the current deal that was negotiated up until yesterday says, both sides are gonna say, we're in the zone. We're in the price is right zone with the little guy climbing up the mountain. We're in the range. We win the car, play ball. And I say that with the utmost respect. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400, or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425 right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 
21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. How you doing? It's David Sampson. Thank you for being with me and for rating, reviewing, subscribing, all the other things that you do, we appreciate. Tell your friends about Nothing Personal. We are the place to be every day because we do stuff. I watch a movie or a show every day. I watch a movie every day, but I'm also watching a show. We had a debut last night. Who watched it? Survivor season 42. I got to talk about it for one minute, Coca. Coca, before the show, did you find the name of the Jersey girl? There's someone who Coca knows or Coca may know someone who knows someone who may have known someone, but maybe he doesn't know someone. Lindsay, I can't say the last name. Come on. Dola Schwitch. Dola Schwitch. <clears throat> so there's something great about when Survivor starts. When they started filming my season, season 28, you get onto the beach. They start filming well before that because you, you have to do the entries and there's a bunch of different ways to film. There's camera guys who are in your helicopter, then they have to hide. And then there's another helicopter with a camera that can show the helicopter that's flying. When you're in a boat, there's another boat that has cameras. There's cameras in your boat. There's a whole bit of production going on. And then they coordinate who's going to arrive when. You arrive there, you practice it, you get in. And then out comes Jeff Probst. Welcome to Survivor. And everybody claps and everybody's happy. And then he says invariably, hey, you in the blue as though we're supposed to believe he doesn't know who is in the blue since he was a part of casting and knows everything about you, literally everything about you. Maybe, spoiler alert, in my life I've never seen Survivor do what they did yesterday. If you have not watched the first episode, it's important to watch it. The absolute strength and courage of one of the contestants to not just appear on the show, but to not hide from his past it's an interesting strategy. It's a good strategy. It was not a winning strategy. For the first time that I can remember, and I could be wrong, it's possible that the first boot who joins my exclusive club, which, of which I'm a member, and people always get it wrong, so let me clarify. There have been 42 seasons, so that means there's 41 people who have been voted out first, right? Nope. Francesca has been voted out first twice. That means there's only 40 of us. 40 people in the entire world have ever been voted first off Survivor. It's a pretty cool club. I'd like you to watch the show because it's important what happened with Jackson. There is another lesson there when you're going on a reality show. Uh, you got to know what you're in for. And you got to know from a, from a production standpoint what will be tolerated, what will not be tolerated. And there's pretty much a golden rule of production. We don't want you to die. Now, if you can be good on TV, if you can help continue to tell the story through confessionals and help move the character arc forward and the story forward, that'd be great. You're going to get more TV time and a better edit, but we'd like people to watch. And more importantly, please don't die. Spoiler alert, nobody died yesterday, but it's well worth watching the first episode of Survivor 42. Should be an interesting season. I actually wonder whether Roman Abramovich has time to watch Survivor. Where is Roman Abramovich? He's trying to sell Chelsea. I wonder where he sleeps at night. Coke and I spent a huge amount of time before the show. No fewer than 46 seconds and no more than one minute and nine seconds. 
<laughs> trying to find out where he lays his head at night because yesterday Boris Johnson in the UK said there can be no safe havens for those who have supported Putin's vicious assault on Ukraine. Today's sanctions are the latest step in the UK's unwavering support for the Ukrainian people. Thank God it's unwavering. We'd hate to see what wavering support looks like, wouldn't we? Sanctions were put against seven or eight Russian oligarchs, and Roman Abramovich was one of them. That means that all of his assets are now frozen like a tombstone pizza. The best thing about a frozen asset is that it's still an asset. You can always defrost it. You can always sell it once it gets defrosted, but you're going to need a microwave. The microwave lives in Russia. Abramovich trying to get back to Russia to speak to Putin. I can just picture this conversation. Hey, Mr. Putin. Listen, I know we've been buddies. I got a small problem here. I got to sell Chelsea. Yeah, the, um, the football club, you know it, obviously, because you care so much about sports because somehow you get your rocks off if Russia does well in sports enough that you're willing to dope 12-year-olds. But I digress. Right now, I can't sell Chelsea because I won't get any of the money. But Roman, I thought you said that you were donating all the proceeds to Ukrainian issues and people suffering because of what I'm doing. So I really not that sympathetic to what you're saying. Well, I hear you, but you know, Vladdy, that that's not really what I said. I said the net proceeds, right? We're going to be donated, but there's going to be other proceeds. And I sort of need that money because my stuff is frozen everywhere. And I've got really, you know, this guy, Samson, nothing personal, really laid it out in a way that embarrassed me, but it was pretty accurate. You know, I've got a lifestyle that I need to lead. And there's only so much cash I have in various places hidden under the mattress and under the floorboards and in safes surrounded by armed guards in the form of whether it's diamonds, cash, or other such crypto. You know, I need some, some rubles. Well, you don't need rubles. Our ruble isn't worth anything. You're right. I need Miami coin. No, no, that's not worth anything either. Yeah, I'd like some U.S. cash. Eh, what about some pounds? You mean euros? No, pounds. They're not part of the euro. They're not? No. What do I do? Here's what you do, Roman. You're going to have to hold on to Chelsea because no one's able to buy Chelsea right now. No one's going to buy Chelsea from you because you're not selling it because you can't get the money. <laughs> so guess what Boris Johnson had to do? This is when sports makes me smile. It really does. What was the biggest concern of fans of Chelsea? If you had a guess. Is your concern that there's a Russian oligarch who owns your team? Are you despondent about that, making you not root for Chelsea? When you heard that Abramovich was selling the team, did you cheer with delight? Is that because you think the team will get better or because you don't want a Ruski? Harold Ramis' favorite line from Stripes. Owning your team. Well, once this came out, guess what the announcement was? And this is pretty good. When the sanctions were announced by the UK, the UK understanding very well what concerns fans the most. Made as part of their announcement, don't worry, anyone who has tickets to future pitches, future matches on the pitch, God, Coca, can we edit that for me, please? Because I wanted to sound 
seriously, hold on. I wanted to sound like I knew what I was talking about in the EPL because people are like, you're just an American sports guy. You're just basketball and baseball and NFL. You know, when you talk F1, it makes me feel like you're broadening your horizons. I wanted people to think I am all in on the EPL because I've been to Liverpool. That's like saying I've been to the Cavern Club so I can now play guitar or I visited the Stone Pony and I now know the plight of Americans in the heartland. All right, ready? Two, four, 69. Part of the announcement with the sanctions of Roman Abramovich was that the fans who already have purchased tickets to future matches will be able to still go to those matches. The games will go on. Your tickets are still valuable. However, we are freezing Chelsea and they may not sell any more tickets. Now, you've been following this team for 117 years. You may be shocked by these sanctions, but I want you to know they are not going to impact your ability because we're still going to show the matches on the telly. We're still opening Chelsea and its stadium up for business. It's all going to be okay. But don't tell Roman that because maybe the sanctions will work. And maybe Putin will say to Roman, yeah, those sanctions, those stink. I'm going to pull out of Ukraine. Yep, that's exactly how it's going to go. The oligarch sanctions will cause Putin to pull out of Ukraine. Yeah, you think that's a wait to see? It's a wait not to see. Nothing personal pick of the day. We did it. We went with it. We went with the hockey game. I thought Ovechkin and the Capitals would win two in a row on the road, and they lost. I think they lost in overtime. We took the loss. We did have a basketball game because we're hot in the NBA. The Bucks were only favored by five and a half over the Hawks. So we went one and one. So we are 27 and 21. Let's talk about tonight's game. This is going to be an interesting conversation, at least to me. Don't shut it off. We only have seven minutes left. Stay with me. Okay, six minutes. I got you, Coca. The Sixers are playing the Nets. Who's not excited to watch James Harden and his beard take on his former team? No, not the Rockets. No, not the Thunder. Yes, the Nets. Who's not going to be excited to watch Ben Simmons take on the Sixers as a member of the Nets? Ben Simmons will step into the arena in Philadelphia for the first time, God, in a year and a half, I bet. And he will be in civilian skivvies. Ben Simmons is not yet ready to play. Ben Simmons has a pending grievance against those same 76ers. Ben Simmons claims that the Sixers did not properly deal with, appreciate, or understand his mental health issues. I, on this show, questioned Ben Simmons' mental health issues. I then, on this show, gave him the benefit of the doubt saying that it is not my place to comment on someone's mental health issues except to give them them support. I thought that he was using them as a sword to get his money back from his holdout, that it was a smart financial move to do it. I haven't changed my mind, but I am open and sympathetic to the possibility that this wasn't about money. So Ben Simmons is choosing to go to the arena and he's expected to be booed loudly. And what bothered me is that his camp was behind a release, an article, a thought, a tweet, a strategy, 
where in the pending grievance against the Sixers, he can use the fans' reaction as evidence of his reason for not reporting to the team because being booed, hissed at, impacts mental health. Everyone relax in the mental health community because I don't want you to be offended by this. When you're a professional athlete, either on the court or you're in professional sports off the court, 18 years I have, it's a third of my life, 33% of every breath I've taken was as president of a major league baseball team. If I had a thin skin, I wouldn't survive it. I wouldn't be able to thrive. I would definitely have issues. And I would have to change careers. There's plenty of people who are not able to do something because it's not good for them physically or mentally. And I have great respect for decisions that are made by people, even when I don't understand their issue. But they say and they decide they are not going to move forward in their current work environment or their current personal environment because it impacts them physically, mentally. But when you choose to do something, knowing it has an impact on you, it causes me to drink, it causes me to smoke, it causes me to be divorced, it causes me to not want to have kids, it causes me to want more kids, it causes me to want kids with other people. Hi, Jerry Jones. It causes me to have an ego. It causes me to be narcissistic. It causes me to think that I have no frustration tolerance. No, I'm not talking about myself. I'm giving you a laundry list of things that athletes can feel, that athletes do. And there are many, many times when these athletes need a mental health break or executives need a mental health break, and I get it. I need them too. Players deserve mental health breaks, a day off time away from the game, time out of the spotlight. Executives, front office people, they need a minute sometimes. Sometimes family issues can get in the way of job performance, something I didn't used to understand and now I do. However, when you are going to go to a game and you are trying to elicit a certain reaction in order to use that reaction as a further example of a problem you're having mentally so that you can get money, that's where I've got the problem. Am I being cynical? Is it possible that Ben Simmons is going to support his new team and that he wants to be there on the bench and he wants to watch the Nets play the Sixers? Maybe. Is it possible he's going there at his lawyer's request as part of a strategy? Maybe. But when it's in question, And believe me, in this era of social media, we know when something's in question. Either our PR person has told us or we discovered ourselves. I want to hear something from the person. I want Ben to talk to the media or release something through his own social media or through his representatives and explain why he is going to this game, that this is not part of evidence that will be used in a grievance hearing, what his reaction will be, that he is totally fine with fans expressing either their frustration or their appreciation, whichever they have, but that in no way is this in any way staged for business purposes. And then I realize 
that he's never going to do that. Because Ben Simmons, along with the rest of us, are aware of one true fact. It's just business. By the way, we're taking the Sixers minus four and a half over the Nets. This is nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 